I just know you're going to love the guests that we have on in this episode. So don't go away. Welcome to the interview. I'm Dr. Rick Wadge with our dear friend from Ezra International, Gary Christopher. Good to see you again, Rick. Good to see you. It's been too long. It has. How long has it been? Well, I think uh, we're one of those pre-COVID situations here, probably. Oh. <laughs> it's been it's been a few years. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of interviews with Tony Fauci these days. <laughs> Actually, I think we did do an interview through Zoom, if I can remember correctly, you and I. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, we yeah. did during that okay. time. Yeah, no, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so you live in Florida. Yes, Melbourne, Florida. How has Florida been over the last two years? Well, I want to say I thank God for our governor, Ron DeSantis, because he he believes in, you know, he believed early on in opening up. I think he, because of the unknown of the pandemic, he everybody went along with it initially. But he saw early on, as as some of us did, that uh, the draconian measures were not working. They were they were killing the economy. Um, they were hurting people, small business especially. And uh, he he did something about it. And so I I thank God I live in the free state of Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. We're both conservative in our thinking. Oh yeah. Uh, because we're Bible believers. I think so. it lines up perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. In fact, being liberal, I think, in your politics uh, is a real uh, situation to where you can't, I don't see how you can reconcile biblical doctrine to liberal thinking. For example, abortion. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. When, you know, and we've, we've had some conversations about this before because each of us have, have pastored. I used to do a sermon series uh, or some type of, uh, you know, um, just bring bringing about the the uh, biblical mandates and biblical principles that apply to some of our greatest issues when we vote, you know, vote for righteousness sake, I used to say, and we would talk about the abortion issue and, and support for Israel. Uh, and and the, uh, the the homosexual uh, issues that we we are all facing today that have gone I think even beyond where we ever imagined they would go, and if you're not voting for candidates who at least say I know they don't always come through, but at least say they stand for these issues based on these biblical principles, then I think uh, I think yeah there's something there's something wrong with like as you said you can't reconcile that with scripture you can't reconcile your your voting practices with scripture i agree i think there's a problem today with justifying compartmentalizing religion right, right. so that we have one part of our life here but we go to church on sunday right. uh after church on sunday it's no problem going out and drinking uh drinking with the guys getting drunk in the evenings before going back to work on monday yeah that's yeah. that's not and we're, we're supposed to live this it's not, and I think that was, I think that was Yeshua, Jesus's biggest problem with the leadership of the day was religion. He hated religion. I hate religion because when it, 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 it results in that type of behavior, your Sunday morning devotion, you go, you put in your hour or two or whatever it might be. And then the rest of your life doesn't reflect that. That's religion. That's not true living uh, faith. Now, we've been blessed because we've had you with us filming. You've been filming a one-hour special. 
mm. on the founder of Ezra International, Mel Holzen. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I am too, and I think uh, I think it's it's amazing that the life of a person who's done so much in fulfilling prophecy of the Jews returning to Israel back to the land has been overlooked by most people on purpose because he didn't want to be recognized. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, that that was what uh, inspired me to call it what we did, honor deferred, because Mel Hosel lived his life in the shadow, so to speak, of with everybody else doing the work in front. He inspired it. He he had the vision from God. He he started the organization, but he put everybody else out front because he knew that the, all glory and honor belongs to God. And he wanted none of that. And here he's a man who's now responsible for over 100,000 Jewish people making it home to Israel, escaping poverty, uh, persecution, even war, uh, in the case of, of Ukraine and a few other places like Georgia, um, you know, and the, the anti-Semitism around the world. They've escaped that thanks to the vision, well, God-given vision to one man who knew how to respond to that. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, we're hoping, as we film this, it's 2022, and we're hoping that certainly before the end of the year, yeah, this is so. made public and people can view it and see what Ezra is all about. Yeah, the vision that Mel had. Yeah, I believe he was he was so such an anointed man that I think this, his story of his life will touch people. Um, you know, and he was an ordinary man initially. He was he was uh, from poverty himself. Um, the the last of eleven children, living uh, when it both well his, his I don't want to give too much away, but his father left the family when he was what two two months old is what we discovered, and then his mother passed away when he was a teenager, and so this man came from nothing, and and then became a very wealthy man, but but uh, it wasn't until later in in his life that that God. Uh, called him to use that uh, his ability and his wealth to, for for good, and maybe I'll leave it at that because we don't want to give away too much here. <laughs> I I agree, but I would like to say one more thing, and that is you're here today mm -hmm. because of what Mel did back then. Absolutely, absolutely. Every one of us that works now for Ezra International, and I say works, but all of us have been, uh, I believe, chosen and called to do this. It's not work. It's it's something I get up every morning and I, I and 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 do what God's called me to do. I don't feel like I'm working. Uh, I'm doing what He called me to do, and all of us feel that way. There's nobody that that is involved with Ezra International that was just seeking a job. We were we were seeking to serve the Lord in what He's called us to do, and and that's uh, as a result of Mel Hosel's obedience. We had an opportunity to 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 put our calling to use. Now, with all the uh, people you have around the world in strategic places that are helping reach the Jewish people and help them when they want to, to go back, make Aliyah and go back to Israel, uh, live in Israel, uh, you must have a tremendously large office somewhere. <laughs> I like the way you set that up. You would think so. You would think, but we don't. You know, our overhead is so low and, and so much... Uh, the, the vast majority of every donor dollar goes to the work because we work out of our own homes. Yes. Uh, we have a, a tiny little office in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, and, and of course, everybody knows how uh, the situation in, in Ukraine uh, has been yes. late, yeah. lately. Um, but a tiny little office that's not much. I bet you there are people in the United States who have walk-in closets that are bigger than our office in Kiev. 
but uh, you know, we walk, we work out of our homes, we get the job done, um, and and our our representatives, we call them fishermen, based on Jeremiah sixteen sixteen, they are the true heroes of, of the faith for me. I mean, my job is to to get the word out, to promote this, uh, to help you know fundraise. Let's be honest. But they're doing the nitty gritty. They're the boots on the ground every day going out and, and seeking out Jewish people who need our help. And it's the poorest of the poor, the impoverished. And in the case of the Ukraine war, you know, we're talking about at the risk of their own lives, driving into war zones and pulling people out. We have a, a representative in Moldova. He and his wife, for weeks after the war broke out, we're driving across the border into Ukraine, getting people, getting Jewish people out and driving back. They were working 20 hour days. They were literally getting almost no sleep for weeks on end. And I, he, he sent us a, a video by his, his cell phone. He was logging some of his journeys on his cell phone and he looked exhausted and he was, he was, he was mournful, tearful because he was seeing so much tragedy, but he kept going and kept going and, uh, and rescued. Jews out of that situation. Which is a very, very sad situation going on. It's, it's ongoing. It's, it's it, yeah, it hasn't stopped. It's, it's still going on. We've been blessed by you being here. We miss you. And it's it's mutual. Really good to have you. It's mutual to be here. You, uh, you are great partners. Well, we feel the same way and we uh, support everything Ezra is doing. Partially because you don't have a big mansion, uh, there isn't a gigantic office, the money is really going where it needs to go. Yeah. You have said something over and over again to many of our staff members that I would like you to repeat on TV about the cycle in which the church has been in, the early mm -hmm. beginnings, yeah. and where it might be now. Would you repeat yeah. that? Yeah, I wish I could credit this, this story, but I don't remember where I heard it. Could have uh, been me. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Because I know it's really brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant, yeah. All right, the story is this, that uh, there's a, a theologian, a professor teaching theology, and he's in front of his class, and he's sharing the evolution, so to speak, of the, the church. And so he says the church started as a movement in Jerusalem. And then when it reached Rome, it became a religion. When it reached all of Europe, it became an institution. When it reached the United States or the Americas, it became a business. And it, you know, that in itself is an indictment on the church. But then this, this student, this young girl raises her hand and says, Professor, uh, I thought we were supposed to be the body. And the professor looked at the rest of his students and said, well, of course, we're, we're the body. And the, little, the, the young student says, well, when a body becomes a business, isn't that prostitution? I mean, and, when, and that, should, that should be a dagger. Striking. A dagger in the heart of when we think about the church today from where it's come from and where it is. And I, my personal opinion, and, and I, I want to say this, let me, let me disclaimer this, there are many great churches in the world, and we yes. have partnered with many of those, yes. and they're supporting the work that we do. But unfortunately, there are many that it's become such a, a business, uh, and, and, I, and I'm not a fan of the seeker-friendly philosophy that turns the church into a, a reflection of the world versus a reflection of God. And entertainment. Yeah. And I'll freely admit, when I was a young pastor, learning the ropes, if you will, of 
ministry, I thought it was about entertaining the masses mm. to some extent. Yeah. Uh, it was only later on that I got a brain cell and realized that it's not. And when Yeshua, when Jesus talks about being a disciple, a true disciple, it's really forsaking the world. And yeah. you've uh, picked up a lot of Bonhoeffer quotes uh, that from the cost of discipleship, yeah. Yeah. which is probably his hallmark work. Yeah, it's it's an amazing work, and and he lived it and died it. It just yeah. He he hit one of one of the things that he said was that to um, to accept Jesus meant to 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 give up your life. And when I'm sure when he said that, maybe you know maybe maybe not. I don't think he he ever knew that he was going to have to give up his life for what he believed. And and one of the quotes, well, there there are many. Uh, he talks about you know if you only the um, only the believer obeys, and only you only obey if you believe. You know, he, he's, he's, he was always talking about it's. Um, it was not enough to just confess Jesus. You had to, you know, you had to do what he did. Yeah, let me let me interject. So Christianity is unlike other religions in that it is not a philosophy. Right. Right. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. In fact, the, one of the quotes that, that I mentioned to you um, earlier in this in, in this visit was this: um, "There is no fulfillment of the law apart from communion with God, and no communion with God apart from fulfillment of the law." Now he goes on to say, "To forget the first condition was the mistake of the Jews. The, he meant the Jewish sure. of the day when Jesus was was addressing that idea of religion versus relationship." But then he says, "And to the to the second part, to forget the second part was the tem temptation of the disciples. In other words, those who came after him and the disciples, they might have thought, well." You know, do we have to continue to obey the commandments now that we now that Messiah has been here? And, and certainly he, by second, third, fourth centuries, and then exactly completely thrown out after that. Thrown out, and and that was the temptation. So what Bonhoeffer is saying is, it can't be just religion. There has to be that relationship, but you can't have that relationship in in its proper order if you're not obeying the commandments, and and so we're. We're we're talking about being doers of the word, as Yaakov or, or James would have said, yeah. being doers, and that's how we understand what our faith is. The word for faith in Hebrew, imunah, is faithfulness. It's action. We have yes. to have put action to our to what we say we believe. Yes. Yeah. So how do we do that if we don't understand how it is we should be living? And so I would say that the more removed, separated we are from understanding the lifestyle, the belief system uh, of Yeshua, of Jesus, Right. the harder it's going to be to attain to a true imitation of his life. I 100% I agree because, you know, you hear today a lot and maybe for all your life, Jesus is love. God is love. You know, we're to love one another and, uh, you know, love everyone. And and all that may be true in the proper context. Yes. But out of context, it's dangerous because how do you define love? Well, if you want to go to the 1960s, love fests. Right. At that point in time, were free sex. Right. That, A little bit and, different. And that was mild compared to what we're seeing today. Yes. Loving anyone and you know, it's the yes. same sex marriage and on and on it goes. Yes. And the and those who believe that they can be a 
Christian, a follower of the Messiah, you know, Christ follower, follower of, of Yeshua or disciple of Yeshua cannot do that and be in alignment with his father's word. Yes. But we, we have churches who condone this and believe that they can reconcile that. In my opinion, you cannot reconcile this with the word of God. So, you know, when I was a pastor and doing a counseling, had a counseling practice at the time, I would lead people to several different books, but one of those being the five love languages. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the love language of the father, of the creator of all that exists, then he has a love language. What mm. would that love language be? In my opinion, the Torah, his instructions, his instructions to show us how to live. He loves us so much. In fact, I, I, I just thought of this. A good friend of mine pointed this out that you know where it says uh, God so loved the world yes. that he gave his son. That word in the Greek there is cosmos, which is order. It means means order. He so loved his order that he gave his own son. In other words, he set it up so that we could live as disciples, as his children. We could live with blessing. We could live a prosperity, long life uh, with everything provided for us if we maintain that order, if we follow his instruction. He loves us so much, he gave us instruction for success. When we abandon that instruction, because we love to call it a curse of the law, we, and we fail to see it as God's loving instruction, then we, we fail to, to, to live the life that he is, is provided for us or can, can provide for us when we're obedient to it. So when we talk about the law, mm -hmm. uh, that may be a misnomer. I think it is. It's, we would probably both agree that Torah Absolutely. probably be better translated as instructions. Uh, amen. Okay. So these instructions are given at a key point in time in the Creator's relationship with a people group called, well, we would call it today Israel, mm -hmm. or, right, or the Jewish people. Yeah. So when they're leaving and during the Exodus event, Egypt, going to create their own people group in their own place, uh -huh. right, uh, God meets with them, first their leader, Moses, Moshe. Right. He meets with them on Sinai. This event where he comes down with tablets is very similar to what takes place today in a Jewish wedding. So talk yeah. about that, yeah, yeah. Ketubah. Ketubah, uh, yeah. Talk about what a covenant is and what that would mean then in a marriage relationship. Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, let me back up a little bit then to explain. Uh, for our audience, I think this audience probably pretty savvy and knows uh, your your audience and ITBM. But you you're talking about uh, first off God choosing a man Abraham, and then passing that covenant along a promise to him. You know, he said, "What's a covenant?" All right, this this covenant is is an eternal prom. Let's say promise uh, to to Abraham uh, and his descendants that he would be God to him, and that he's God no matter what. But through covenant, through a promise, through a, through, you know, there's a agreement. Yeah, it's it's a contract. It's that's, a contract. That's the word we're looking for, I think. It's a contract. A contract. With penalties if it's broken. Well, initially, remember, remember the initial contract he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was unconditional. Yes. And we'll get to the, Mo the Mosaic covenant here in a moment. But initially, he makes this promise to this man who becomes a family, who becomes a people. 
mm -hmm. that he would be God to them and that they have a promised land that they will go to. Where where Moses comes in is, you know, now we have, they, they go to Egypt, the family goes to Egypt to survive because there's a famine. They come out of Egypt as a nation. You know, hundreds of years have passed and now they've come out as a nation. Now they have to be instructed how to live as a people, as a nation, as a group. So that's where the, the Torah is given. Now this is a second covenant God makes with conditions. So does that mean the first covenant is erased? Not at all. It's eternal. The covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is eternal and unconditional. Okay, so covenants don't go away. Exactly. Another covenant can be added. Yes, yes. And, and, and the Mosaic covenant was added so that this group of people could understand what it meant to live as a child of God. And so I look at the Torah that was given there at Sinai as universal code of conduct for a child of God. And so does that go away? Uh, with 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 uh, uh, the fact that you know the, the the Jewish people didn't necessarily always obey it doesn't go away. It just means that there had to be a renewing of that covenant, and that's what we see with Yeshua. Uh, kind of a reminder. A reminder. He pointed out. You know, when we think about the ministries of the prophets and John the Immerser, Yochanan the Immerser, John the Baptist, as we know him, and Yeshua, Jesus, every one of them, their first message was repent return, you know, to Shuva, return to, to God, walking with God. And then, then they said, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. So it was always about coming back to the Father, coming back yes. to the original instruction. Yes. And that's what, that's what the Yeshua did, was bring that movement, not only to his people, but then opened it up for we the Gentiles. Yeah, and this idea of, I love what you brought up about this idea of returning. Uh, because in Aramaic, it's tuv. In uh, Hebrew, it's shuv. Mm. And shuv literally means to turn back to the house. There you go. So we're turning back to the house of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's the message. And if, if any, anyone calls themselves a prophet who is not calling for repentance and return to God's instruction, then I would not call them a true prophet. Right. I would call them a false prophet. Right. That, because that's God's message. Right. right. So what about the idea today of we're under the new covenant and that it's a covenant of grace as though there has never been mercy, uh, chesed. Chesed, yeah. Uh, right? And, yeah, go ahead. It's always been about grace, as you know, because God approached Abraham. Abraham didn't seek out God. God, God. The word chen is the is one of the root words to to grace, and it's about a superior stooping down to an inferior, and that's what God did. He came to Abraham and said, "I got a job for you," and what Abraham did was, "Yes, sure, I'm going to obey." And that's the second part. That's the chesed is re reciprocity. You have to respond. You know, so we respond to God's grace by doing. Yes. So it's always been about grace. Nothing's changed with Yeshua's ministry. Right. He, you know, he came, he came to point us back to that. But the part that has also always been the same is that there's an expectation for us to respond. Yes. Not just, okay, I accepted Jesus, one and done, I'm good to go, punch my ticket. And uh, that's the definition Bonhoeffer, you know, of cheap grace. Yes. You know, justification of sin versus justification right. of the sinner. And I think part of the part of the way that we have arrived where we are today, 
is due to a change of languages, due to a change, you know, translation, mm. uh, a change of culture, uh, we're the Western world. But even prior to that, when you look at the Septuagint trans translating Hebrew into uh, classical Greek, you're going to run into a different mindset. Mm. And with that change of mindset, you're also changing the characteristic of the covenants. Mm. And so we think of grace now when we read the Greek New Testament as being something new that did not arrive on the scene, uh, quoting these Greek authors, right. did not arrive on the scene during the time of the Hebrews. So what is idiotic is to think that it's original when it's not. It's a translation of the Hebrew word chesed, mm. which is God's mercy. So right. it's always been there, as you say. Always been there. And, you know, we can, that, that word chesed is such a beautiful word. You cannot define it with one word in the English. I mean, it's his loving kindness. It's his mercy. It's, you know, it, it's so, it's so rich. It's, uh, you know, we found, we, if you look in through, through scripture, you'll find a lot of words to, to try to define it. But one of the most important ones is it, it, it come, we have to respond, we have to reciprocate, and then, then we have to show it by how we act with one another. How do we, how do people know we're his disciples? It's how we act through, through one another. Uh, we have that relationship with him. So we have that directional yes. love, and then we have this directional love. And, and that's, that's more, that's the true love that the word of God speaks of. So we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, I guess we do. Uh, we've begun with covenant. Mm. We've talked about discipleship. And so we want to tie those two together in the next program okay. of how covenants lead then to lifestyle. Lifestyle then leads to definitions that Yeshua, Jesus, gives to those who are willing and wanting to follow him. Amen. So I think it'd be a good time to show a little clip from Ezra, one of the commercials, and encourage people to support Ezra and all they do because they're really fulfilling uh, scripture. They're fulfilling the prophets, what the prophets call was. The biggest, you know, the biggest prophecy and that's repeated over and over again is not the return of Messiah, even though that's absolutely incredible and today would be a good day, but it's it's the return of the Jewish people to the land, Haaretz. And so let's go ahead and watch that. We'll come okay, sounds good. God is fulfilling his ancient promises to the Jewish people today. And their return to Israel brings glory and honor to his name. After centuries of exile among the nations, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can see their God keeping his word to them. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, O Israel. I will surely save you out of a distant place, your descendants from the land of their exile. Isaiah 46, 27. Ezra International takes seriously God's calling to the Gentiles and provides humanitarian aid as he orchestrates the modern-day exodus foretold thousands of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. The Lord is bringing the Jewish people home to Israel today. He beckons to those willing from among the Gentiles, Christians who seek to be in agreement with God's will for the good of the Jewish nation, to carry them on their shoulders to the promised land. God is at the center of it all. 
and He is reaching out to the four corners of the earth. He is regathering His people back to Israel, and you can help provide a light to show the way home. Visit EzraInternational.org and give your gift of hope today. So, Ezra International, you want to say a little piece before we close? Uh, sure. I, you know, first of all, thank you for your partnership. ITVN has been an incredible partner. You have been an incredible friend, and uh, you believe in in what we do. And, and thank you for helping us get the word out. Um, we have now helped over one hundred thousand Jewish people escape these horrific situations around the world and get them home to Israel. And that, as you said is the most prophesied event in all of Scripture. So we don't have to guess what God's will is for our generation. We know it because he said in these latter days, he would regather them from the four corners of the earth and he would call the Gentiles, yeah. Isaiah 49, 22, you call the Gentiles to participate in that. And that's what we're doing. And, and we give everybody else an opportunity to partner with us. Okay, get on board with Israel TV Network, with Ezra International. We are doing our very best to follow the Lord and fulfill Scripture in these last days. We'll see you next time. Now, don't forget, come back next week because we're going to be looking at discipleship and covenants once again. We'll see you next time. Shalom, shalom.